0: Welcome to Outfield Ivy, a hardcore media production. I'm Rafa. I'm AJ. And I'm Drew. And today we're going to be doing a specially themed uh, episode. With it being Martin Luther King Jr. Day and all, we decided to each do our own report on a Negro League era player.
1: So I'm going to start first with Don Newcomb. Uh, So he was a right-handed pitcher, for the Dodgers, the Cincinnati Reds and the Cleveland Indians. He was actually he actually only played one season with the New York Eagles in the Negro Leagues and then the Dodgers signed him right after that as they were really impressed with him. Hmm. He he played for the Dodgers from 49 to 51 and then came back from 54 to 58. He was an incredible pitcher and he was actually before Justin Birdlander in 2011. He was the only player to have won Rookie of the Year, Most Valuable Player, and a Cy Young Award in his career. So that already tells you, like, he was, he was just beating everyone left and right, you know. He was defying the game, and he made a bit, He was, like, one of the, the first uh, players to come from Negro Leagues to, to, um, to the Major League Baseball Player Association. <clears throat> um, in, in 1949, he became the first black pitcher to start a World Series game. So I'm sure back then that was a huge deal. Yeah, you know, but, seeing uh those I mean at that time for them that was that was different to see and um I'm glad that they you know they gave him the chance to go out there and play and you know and to perform. Uh, in nineteen fifty one, Newcomb became the first pitcher the first black pitcher to win twenty games in one season. And in nineteen fifty six he won the Cy Young Award and became the first pitcher to win the national MVP and the Cy Young in the same season. So he just continued to dominate throughout his years through his time in the MLB, you know? And um, he compiled the batting average of 271 with 15 home runs, and he was also used as a pitch hitter sometimes for other pitchers. Mm. So, you know, he was... He had a bat on him, and he could pitch, you know? Yeah, he pitches that rake, right? Yep. He was widely <laughs> respected, you know? That's awesome. Um... When he came to the Dodgers, uh, he actually came along with Don Campanella, who was uh, a Latin American player who played for the Negro League. So um, the Negro Leagues actually had, a majority of the players were African American, but they also had Latino players. Not too many, but they did. They did Mm -hmm. have uh, Latino players, which I didn't know before uh, looking into it.
0: Yeah, me neither and I don't really remember hearing about that at all. I'll go over it when we go
2: to my report, but there's a lot of mixing with the Negro League and the uh, Latin American and
0: Mexican Leagues. Oh, that's cool.
1: Yeah. So he recorded 10 Major League um, seasons, and he had a record of 149 wins to 90 losses. He had 1,129 strikeouts, a 3.56 ERA... 136 complete games 24 (laughs) shutouts and 2154 innings pitched so yeah
0: he's a legend can you go back to that, that uh complete game stat
1: 136 complete game 136 so that means he had at least 13 to 14 complete games a season That's what that means. That's weird. Like, how many guys do you know that
0: have that many complete games in their careers now?
1: Uh, I don't know. I should definitely look that up. But wow, (laughs) yeah. I mean, yeah, fourteen to do even do like right now. If you see someone doing like six or seven, you're just like, wow, he had seven complete games. Fourteen? That's that's insane. That's complete dominance. Just being on the mound for nine innings and just. Keeping your team in the whole, in, into the whole thing, you know? Because, I mean, obviously, yeah, you can just go out there and throw the ball. But if you're throwing the ball effectively and your coach is trusting you to, you know, be in the game, he obviously wasn't giving up an, a lot of runs, you I know? I you
0: said it, 3.5, what?
1: 3.5. 3.56. 3.56 ERA. Very respectable. Very. So, some things after his retirement he joined the the Dodgers organization in the late 1970s and he was he served as the team's director of community affairs and in 2009 he was named as a special advisor to the chairman of the team mm-hmm. you know so he really did try to ho- he hosted a lot of like fundraisers and things like that and he actually got a special shout out from Obama who said that um he I, this is Obama's quote saying I would not be here if it were not for Jackie and if it were not for Don Newcomb. So as you can see, um he was he was an impact to the African American community, not only in major league baseball history but to to anyone growing up and obviously it was an important figure to Obama. So this one's for Don Newcomb.
0: Nice. And what do you think about that, Drew?
2: Yeah, um very inspirational. Um Right at the end of... Well, he kind of began his career when they were um, transitioning into the Major Leagues, right?
1: Yeah, and he actually only got... He only played one one full season in the Negro Leagues, and that's when the transition was starting to start with Jackie Robinson, and then, you know, the Dodgers hopped on board again. They're just like, we need this guy, too. Paid off for them.
2: Yeah, he was right at the pivotal point, so he you know, he had to be good to make it into the majors at that point.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so
0: um, I ended up doing my report on Oliver the Ghost Marcel. So he played um, way before the integration of baseball. So Marcel was born June 21st, um, 1895, in Thibodeau, Louisiana. And he was a career third baseman um, in the Negro Leagues from 1918 to 1930. And a couple of teams that he played for... Uh, were the uh, I'm, I can't even pronounce this, but the Baccarat Giants, the Brooklyn Royal Giants, uh, Santa Clara, the Lincoln Giants, and the Eastern League Stars. Um, he's widely considered the best fielding third baseman in the Negro Leagues, and by many, perhaps all time. Um, there's been a couple uh, Hall of Famers that have stated like, oh no, yeah, he was a lot better than me. Wow. But being limited to the Negro Leagues, obviously, you know, you don't really see that much you don't really get that much attention right and uh along with his teammate and shortstop dick lundy uh they made up the million dollar infield again right widely regarded to be probably one of the best infields to ever play the game um he had a famously bad temper and he was constantly getting into fights with teammates uh opponents and umpires as well and uh his career was actually cut short due to his temper um as the story goes, during the winter league in Cuba, he got into a fight with a teammate over a crap game, and <laughs> the teammate bit off a piece of his nose. Oh, wow! <laughs> yeah, so after that happened, he started wearing a black eye patch over the over his nose, and um, I guess he was like reportedly like a pretty like handsome guy and proud of his looks. And after that, he just kind of felt a little. Like, ashamed or whatever. Like Fan of and, the and Opera or
1: what? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> he felt insecure, I guess. Yeah, and
0: just had to step away from the limelight. Um, but his overall career average uh, was reported at a three hundred five with 12 career home runs. And uh, once he stopped playing, he did coach for a little bit. But his greatest contribution to the game um, is probably when... Um, he convinced, well, the Denver Post sponsored uh, one of the biggest semi-professional baseball tournaments in the country. And uh, Marcel urged the Post editor at the time to uh, invite the Kansas City Monarchs uh, all-black baseball team to the tournament in 1934. And at that time, the Monarchs had a pitcher on their team named uh, Satchel Page mm. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure everyone knows that name, right. if, you're, if you're familiar with the game. Satchel Page is... Uh, is a very um, dominant pitcher, and he's a, he's a Hall of Famer today. And, um, yeah, so this was Paige's first exposure to, to white media and white sports broadcasters. And this, is, this move was actually believed to be one of the biggest things that led to integration of baseball. Uh, after the 34 tournament, the city of Denver went from having all-black and all-white teams to having integrated teams. And this was actually 11 years before Jackie Robinson would join the Brooklyn Dodgers. Yeah, so they this kind of sparked the integration of semi-professional teams. I mean, like there were players like you know some teams would have one or two black or African American players, but this is really where they started just letting kind of everyone play together. Um, unfortunately, Marcel died in poverty on June 12, ni- uh, 1949, at the age of 53, and the cause of his death was listed as heart failure. And um, being penniless, he was buried in a pauper's grave and remained unmarked all the way up until June first, 1991. We're in a special ceremony by the Colorado Rockies, wow. they unveiled um, they unveiled a grave marker for him, inscribed with a quote from one of his teammates, John O'Neill. Um, the quote goes: "Baseball's best third baseman brought professional baseball to Colorado."
1: That's awesome.
0: Yeah. So wow. the city of the city of Denver and and the state of Colorado really. Really owe him, I guess, a lot to bringing like professional baseball to their to their state to their city.
1: It's nice to hear that they didn't, you know, forget about about him, you know, and just came back and do something in his honor. I mean, honestly, you can't fix the poverty that he went through at the end of his life, but you know. And...
2: All right, um, you want to move on to the next one?
0: Uh, yeah, go ahead.
2: Um, I did my report on Walter Buckle- um Leonard, he gets the nickname Buck, because apparently his mom named him Buddy, like, nicknamed him Buddy, but he couldn't pronounce it, so... He's oh, just Buck. Buck. <laughs> 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 like, Bucky, I guess. Buck. Uh, well, he was born in uh, Rocky Mount, North Carolina, and he was one of six kids. Um, his dad died um, while he was very young, probably around 12, so he started working from... Uh, Right after he finished up uh, grade school Public grade school Because where he lived There was no African American grade school After he turned 14 oh, Wow! So he started working at, He worked for the next 12 years Until um, he was 26 He worked as a mill hand A shoe shine boy And finally a shop worker For the Atlantic Coast Line Railroad In North Carolina And he did all that to support his family um, His brothers also did as well But while he was working Part-time, he played in the semi-pros um, with the Rocky Mountain Elks and the Dottereys, uh Black Rebels. Um, he played outfield, but then they later transitioned him to first base um, because he was so darn good. <laughs> and um, just throughout his semi-baseball career, he lost his job. So he was approached by Doc Doddery of the Portmouths team and was asked to play for $15 a week which was really good well somewhat good for that time Mm -hmm. Um, 5 for 15 yeah 5 for 15 exactly um the next team he went to after that was the uh, Baltimore Stars he was warned not to go there because he would go broke um eventually and they weren't wrong uh, stars the stars went bankrupt and but luckily Leonard was so good he was signed by the Brooklyn Royal Giants um these are all sem, uh, semi pro leagues kind of semi pro um teams teams yeah and then he went to Washington DC to play for the Grays this was kind of like the step up okay. to um the Negro Leagues right so it was there that he played with jo- Josh Gibson another famous uh, Negro League player um, and with that combination, they were pretty much unstoppable, right? Okay. For a period of time. Uh, he was captain of the Grays at some point, until all the way until they disbanded in the uh, 1950s. Um, with the Grays, he not only teamed with uh, Josh Gibson, but uh, Vic Harris, Howard Easterling, Cool Papa Bell, and Judd Wilson from around 1937 through 1945. The Greys won nine consecutive championships in the Negro League national That's Negro national League, wow, and that was unheard of in American, not even baseball, but all sports in general, nine, nine t- times in a row wow, yeah. just,
0: just to be that dominant
2: yeah, and they also won in nineteen forty eight when Leonard was forty years old, like Leonard was playing baseball for a long time That's all the way up awesome. until he was around forty four Um, from 26 to 44 so that's almost 20 years Um, he participated in the winter leagues in puerto rico cuba and venezuela that's where the latin american tie-in comes in that i was talking about Uh, between 1935 and 1955 um, the international circuit was more welcoming towards black players so a lot you could get a lot of money um, internationally so um, in California, um, Leonard also played on Satchel Paige's All Star team against the team of Major League All Stars mm. in California, and there he batted a .5 in eight. It says eight games, but I'm pretty sure it's eight innings. But the article that I read said eight games, right? Mm. Um, the commissioner of the wow. Major Le- is- the commissioner of uh, Major League Baseball, actually stopped the game after the eighth. I mean, stopped all the games after eighth game, except it might be eighth inning. But the article says eighth game. Um, So the commissioner just stopped it because you know the major league was getting destroyed. (laughs) And then um, right after, like a lot of uh, owners of the major league teams were watching the games, and they told uh, Leonard like, "Hey, we'll keep in touch and we'll get back to you," but they didn't end up calling him back. Just because there was so much pressure from the other uh, white uh, owners of the teams. Uh-huh. Just
0: to keep it, yeah.
2: Yeah, and then there was also pressure from the Negro League side, too. Because uh. once the transition occurred, the Negro League would get destroyed, right? So a lot of the Negro team owners would not want that. Because they already have something in place. Um, and then later on, when Jackie Robinson actually did become the first base- black baseball player in the major leagues... Um, The Negro League, like, got dismantled in 1948, pretty much. And it didn't help that the Mexican League was poaching a lot of the uh, Negro League players, um, which prompted the Grays to start paying Leonard $1,000 per game in 1942.
1: I had no idea about the Mexican League, like, grabbing players from Negro League. That's that's news to me. I didn't even know that was a thing.
2: Yeah, like, uh, Josh Gibson went over there, and a couple other players that were really good in the Grays, apparently, uh, got snatched up. Um, at the age of 40, Bill Veeck actually tried to sign Buck Leonard to the Cubs. Oh. Like, he gave him an offer, but Buck was like, nah, I'm not going to do it, because he was already old. Uh, you know, uh, players were injury-prone back then a lot more than they are now because of the lack of medical
1: yeah, we know so much now about the body that, Yeah, because yeah, of medical advancements Yeah,
2: he just said he didn't want to be a part of that Because he didn't want to make a fool of himself right. So he kept playing with uh, By then, the Negro League kind of disbanded So he started playing on uh, More Mexican He played more on the Mexican League uh, After that So he ended his career in the Mexican and the International Leagues Wow. Uh, quote I only wish I could have played in the big leagues When I was younger Uh and I could show what I could actually do. Uh, when an offer was given to me to join up, I knew I was too old. I'm kind of paraphrasing, but that's what Leonard said. Um, he played in the Mexican leagues during the winters and the summers. He injured his knee during his last season in Z- Zalapa. A German doctor constructed a knee brace for him. And Leonard went on to be the MVP uh, uh, for that
1: season. What a story.
2: Yeah. Um, that was it for baseball for him. At the age of 48, his hurting back and arthritis uh, made him hang up his spikes.
1: Man.
2: Yeah. So here's some stats for you guys, because um, I know you guys like stats. Love them. Uh, a set of statistics compiled in a project sponsored by the Hall of Fame showed that Leonard had career totals of the batting of a batting average of .32. Uh slugging percentage of point five two seven In 1927, recorded at-bats um, with 471 hits, 60 homers, 43 doubles, 26 triples, 257 walks, 352 runs, and 275 RBIs. This Sounds is true. a lot, because he did play for like 20 years, right? Right. So... Uh, Leonard and his former co-stars of the Negro League, he was not done. After he finished playing baseball, he lived a long life till he was 90 years old.
0: Wow. So,
2: you know how, like, a lot of Hall of Famers in the Negro League, like, they went in there after they died? Uh-huh. So, uh, Leonard was one of the former Negro League, uh, stars that contacted Bowie Kuhn, the then-current commissioner of baseball, and, um... 1947 to include those players into the Hall of Fame, but there was just so much pressure um, that they couldn't do it till 1972.
0: So, 30 years later, yeah.
2: Much. So, he went up there first, and then all of a sudden, in 1972, they uh, gave him a phone call, and it was a surprise to Leonard, also. Like, they just uh, they called him up and said, Hey, we're gonna put Hall of Famers from the Negro League in there, and you're one of them.
1: That's awesome. so they
2: put him in there in nineteen ninety four um this is separate in nineteen ninety four uh he was honored um by making him a honorary captain of the national league team at an all star game um, he had died in nineteen eighty six april fourth mm-hmm. um so more about his playing style um leonard was a five foot eleven hundred eighty five pounder okay um he Was in the Negro League, but a lot of Negro League players were a little larger for the time. And he more represents uh, players that are current. You know, more modern players, they're a little bit more slender. Okay. Um, So he kind of represents them. They did say that he was like Lou Gregg. Lou Gehrig. Lou Gehrig. my bad. Wow, that's awesome. But he really wasn't, because physically, um, I mean, not physically, his swing was... uh, He didn't hit as well. He was more of a first baseman. So he wasn't like Lou Gehrig, but in the time, they described him Mm. as such. But he was just as famous and just as um, athletic.
1: Um,
2: His swing was quick, easy stroke um, that generated a lot of power. Page was the first Negro Leaguer inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1971, but Leonard followed in the following year with Josh Gibson um Leonard was still alive at the time and he died in 1997 at the age of 90 okay so he died in 97 okay not I'll have to double check that
1: but okay
0: yeah I'm pretty sure he died in 1997 um at the age of 90 sorry yeah, about that yeah no cause yeah there's no way he in 94 and then
1: so in 94 he was honoring captains yeah then he yeah. passed away 3 my years bad. later yeah I
2: think or... uh I mixed up my sources or one of the sources was wrong no problem yeah um he was also very respected, um, and the very distinct thing about him being a first baseman was a lot of the basemen in the uh, first baseman in the Negro leagues, since they were really close to the stands, they used to be like a half-clown type figure, like uh, they used to make faces, or they used oh, to dance around okay. for the crowd, uh-huh. but Leonard wasn't ha- having any of it. His was strict, formal baseball.
0: Nice. Uh,
2: too serious. Yeah, he was very serious.
1: Yeah, that's pretty much all I have for the report. That's interesting. It's yeah, awesome. Nice.
0: Yeah, I feel like we just learned a little bit of something that we all didn't know today.
1: Yeah, definitely. We hope you guys definitely enjoyed this special, too. And if you have any opinions or want to learn about anything else, just shoot us an email
0: at
2: outfieldivypodcast at gmail.com.
0: Yeah, outfieldivypodcast at gmail.com. Yep. Um, Make sure
2: you guys subscribe. I know you guys listen all the time, but, um, you know, just so you don't miss any of the new episodes that are coming up, Um, they will be frequent. So just
0: subscribe on iTunes, YouTube, wherever you guys get your podcasts. SoundCloud, give us a thumbs up. A five-star rating would definitely help out, too, and to spread the word. And, yeah, if you guys like what you're listening to, feel free to let us know. We appreciate you guys. All right, well, signing off again. This is Rafa, AJ, and Drew. Take it easy.